0: recordings in progress, okay, so at least that that gets it started um I'll just do a uh i guess a quick a quick intro for something I don't have a theme for yet, but that's you know the like, it's it's like the worst time of year to like j- try to start a new pod or at least on my end start a new pod because it's this is insane anyway uh all right, this is I don't even know if this is actually like an episode in a series uh if it is it's episode two of the as yet untitled baseball show which is probably the front runner for the actual official title uh i'm john comey uh with me uh probably as always at this at this point i mean we're, we're one for one uh is uh uh jim Melikar. how do you how do you pronounce your last name yep
1: you nailed it you cool. got it
0: okay all right so uh jim's with us also the anonymous general manager which I feel like I need to get the, the ding from, from the WWE for, the, for Raw, for the anonymous Raw general manager. <laughs> I think I need to do that. Welcome.
2: How are you guys doing today?
0: Outside of breaking stuff, uh, do, doing all right. Uh, and also, uh, the Brenton household is with us. Brenton Efferman. Brenton, how's it going?
3: Good man, all all February. My wife is here, so you got a lot of a lot of input from our house.
0: Excellent. That's what I'm looking forward to Uh today's show. This is Sunday, December twelfth, two thousand twenty-one. Um We are going to be discussing free agency, and uh, I, I think we're going to start to get to the meat of free agency here, as there have only been a couple minor signings so far, but today is going to be. A, a bit of a primer in terms of um, you know the the biggest names here or maybe the most interesting names I don't know if I'll, I don't know if we're gonna say the, the biggest names but definitely the most interesting names to watch uh over the offseason. Jim has put together uh, a bunch of, of research and and uh, and whatnot for uh some of these players. So, um, and in fact, I just need to get into the zoom. We need to make sure we have the link there and I need to request access to get that Google doc. So I just got that. Um, and then I'll put this, uh, what is that? What did I just, what? Okay. I don't know. I just made something. Um, I don't know. I guess, uh, I don't know if we were to say today was or, or this show was brought to you by anything. Um I guess it could be brought to you by uh Evan Longoria's uh GoFundMe. Um, you know, as as uh he is uh uh staring down uh some some hard times ahead. Uh only uh you know hoping hoping for a wonderful handout of a three year sixty nine million dollar contract. Um, so Evan, Evan Longoria's GoFundMe just to tide him over until until then, uh, or if he makes a lemonade stand or something, I don't know. Um, the link is now into the main chat so that people can can join with us. Um, Jim, who's the first player you want to talk about today? Do you want to talk about Ohashi?
1: I think we should. You know, it feels like um, it feels like these off seasons are just brought to you by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheims. Former dynasty. I mean, every year it seems like the top two or three players that are hitting the free agent market are coming out of Los Angeles. At least that's my recollection of it. I could be completely wrong, but I see no reason not to start with ohayashi
0: That that sounds like the escape. You know, like the escape series where like there was Escape from New York and I escaped from Los Angeles. Like when they go straight to streaming, there's Escape from Anaheim, and that, that's <laughs> kind of where we are. So. Uh Ohayashi he's 31 uh he will be 32 on July 24th uh last year he hit 299 with 34 homers 126 RBIs he had uh a 4.8 WAR based on an 899 OPS which was a resurgence from an 844 last year or 2 years ago he had a 144 OPS plus um he, I, I want to just look at his fielding stats. Um, he did play 87 games uh, in left field last year. So he has, oh, yes. he has seen time there. Um, he spent his entire career in Los Angeles going all the way back to 2014. Um, Jim, do you think we're going to see uh, Oyashi in a different uniform next year?
1: It almost feels like it. So the way I set this up with Ohayashi was he just looks like the prize of this year's free agent class. Now I could be wrong. I could be looking through it with my own lens, but I mean, I looking for a seven year deal, 200 million and draft pick compensation, right? If he doesn't go back home. Um, I don't see any decline in this guy's skills or in his scouting report. So I feel like he's going to get a big deal. The angels certainly have, um, have a roster makeover going on. I don't really know what direction they're going to go, but my bet is that he ends up someplace else.
0: Okay. Uh, we look at the finances report. Um, the in terms of payroll the, the Angels, you know, they're they're at ninety two million, ninety four point five million right now, um, and everything's, you know, kind of reset from last or you know over to. To this year, they finished fifth in attendance. Uh, they have media revenue that is tied for second in the league at 113.5 million. They were seventh in, or at least they're seventh right now. Merchandising now probably go up. Um, they are second in season tickets. Uh, in terms of total revenue, they have 241 million in revenue, but also currently, um, I guess it gives them a $248 million budget. And last year they had 236 million in expenses. Um, they don't have anything tied. Oh, I just, what am I?
1: No, they don't. You know, that's the thing that I was looking at. The Angels the Angels certainly could slot him back in. Um, they've only got Mazzara committed past 2021. And they've got, like you said, a huge budget and only 94 million on the books so far for 2022. So... They certainly have the, the means of, of bringing him back.
0: Yeah. And I, I guess it's really like the next question of like who can pay what he wants? Like right now, you know, he wants that seven year, uh, about hundred, uh, probably about 180, $178 million contract. Um, what teams can afford that currently without, without having to make any moves?
1: Certainly the Dodgers, right? I mean, another big market team. Um, they've got cash to throw around. Uh, when I chatted with Sam, though, he was talking about extending uh, his two pitchers, Mark cole and, and Cozart. So I'm not sure if that's still something he wants to do before he looks at moving on free agents. He did talk about exploring trades first. So Dodgers are certainly um, certainly a possibility. And then you've got you've got um, even even the Mets as well. So the Mets have a lot of money tied up um, this year still, but a lot of that committed money. Starts to drop off after 2023. So if they're looking at making a longer term deal to a guy like Ohayashi, I think that I think they could probably make it
0: work. Now, I guess that begs the other question. Um, you brought up two national league teams. The uh, NL does not have a DH as of yet. Uh, that that's probably looking in 2023, if, if anything, um, and, and in the near future. Um, he's not a particularly good outfielder and not only that he he has he has not had um too much experience in the outfield he's only logged 234 games over eight seasons in left field and only uh 38 games in any other positions he actually spent one game as a catcher uh uh, two innings as a catcher he had one error Uh, In that time, I really wish I, that goes back to 2018. He spent one game at catcher. Um, So there's an added risk. If you're looking like he, he can technically play all three positions and he tracks as like a, an above average left fielder in terms of his base skill, but he's got a very average arm. He's prone to errors. Um, does a National League team want to go more than five years over somebody who is very likely uh, going to be an exclusive DH within the next two to three years?
1: Yeah, and that's the problem. Um, that is the biggest problem. And, and when I was looking across what what AL teams could be interested, other than the Angels, um, I thought maybe the White Sox. You know, they had a decent chunk of money, but they went out and added tink jones in the meantime and kind of splashed i think it's 12 mil per year ish over the next three years on jones so i'd probably take them out of my consideration bucket um there aren't a lot of other teams i think that have a ton of money um in the al other than some of these teams that are entering their contention window now so you've got a team like kansas city um they certainly have the means financially to add somebody like this. I don't know if that's what they want to do with a small market club, but their payroll is essentially, you know, minimum ish right now. And they haven't added any pieces as they start wandering into looking at a central division title push.
0: Yeah. Now, Anon, I'm, I'm curious, did you hear anything about the white Sox possibly kicking the tires on Hoe on, on, Oyashi, at, uh, before they went and got uh, Tink, and breaking up that that wonderful San Diego restaurant chain that he was looking at doing with uh with with what's his face the uh, the pitcher. yeah the
2: the my, the, t- the Jones and Matula Steakhouse, uh, which I think the league still has first uh, reservations on opening night at. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There weren't any direct uh, links to the White Sox and Oyashi, but I think everyone has heard from the rumblings around in Chicago that they want to be active in the free agent market. Uh, they want to get better offensively. And we've seen them build around power bats these last few years. So it wouldn't have been a, a surprise if they were involved with Oyashi, uh, but I don't think he was priority number one. And I think that's now a team that probably can be scratched off this list with that acquisition of Tink Jones. Green.
0: I mean, po- possibly. I. I'm not. I don't know that. That getting Tink, um. Like, really does take them off the list. Uh, they have Puig. Um, they got Tink. They've got Torres in center field. Um, but after that, you know, just just looking at their their lineup, um, there's. There's room for, for a potential DH. Like Right now, it's Zaragoza, um, who's making $12 million through next year. Uh, he had 216 with 35 homers. Um, he is an all-or-nothing bat who put up only 1.0 war. I don't know how much the White Sox have for free it's agents.
1: Not, it's not much. I would say after, after grabbing Tink, I estimate them to have something like 10 mil probably in the budget over the next couple of years.
0: Okay. But they're, they're pretty active right now uh, in the trade market as, as we've seen. Um, I just, I I don't know that I, I don't know that you can write them off just, just yet. Um, The question
2: I would pose to you though, if you tie up 20, 25, 30 million here for DH, you still have tweed on the books who I think, uh, unless he gets hit in the head, is probably going to opt into those 20, $22 million options he has coming up. And you have Bill Black expiring after 2023. Um, and as the face of the franchise, personally, I, I see them more invested and likely to extend Black in two years than sign someone that maybe we view as a DH uh, for seven years at, at the price that's being asked.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I'm just like the, the White Sox appear to be in all in all-in mode um, or at least like, you know, instant contention mode. And as we know through MLB pros history, it's that the present is ever fleeting. Um, and that tomorrow will most likely not look like today. And you know, therefore, I I wouldn't like if you put seven years in Ohayashi, like that. That contract's still movable. Puig is movable. Like any player is movable uh, in in the league. And so if um, if they want to go and do it, I'm I think it's likely they could do it and figure out a way to get black. I mean, they'll have eight million coming off of you know with the Zaragoza contract. Um, and they'll have, you know, they have 89 million um, so far on next year's books, um, and then 73 million in 2024, uh, which makes Black, um, you know, like that. That still puts him in play, and that doesn't take into account arbitration and stuff like that. But, but if the White Sox start winning, um, their budget potentially goes up. And they have, uh, they have a chance to, to pay black long-term then um, or at the very least get a uh, massive haul for both him and Hey, uh, Oyashi if they were to go after him. And this, this could be all about nothing. Like I'm just, I've, have, I've have no information. I
1: don't well, know. the white socks do look like they're kind of peak budget um, availability right now. So I, I, trace this back like five years for every club just to be able to have that perspective and they were sitting at a budget of like 130 million five years ago and they're at 160 right now so this feels like a a peak level especially for a team coming up a, a crash year i'm just not sure they have the room i i am super curious and maybe maybe anonymous has a take on this too like can ohayashi fit on an nl team in any way if it's Let's, let's pretend it's even less than seven years. If somebody can tie him up for three or four, does it work or does
2: it not work? I mean, six years in a row, 30, 30 plus homers um, hit 300 each year – or 30 homers, 100 RBIs rather, um, in a ballpark that really wasn't geared towards power hitting uh, Angel Stadium the last few years. I I don't know if he's – he's not a gold glove winner. He's not – a good outfielder, but I I think he can be an an average left fielder. Uh, And if you can get an average left fielder and the bat being as good as any other left fielder's bat, I I think he could play in the National League, especially if the DH does come, which I think we're all waiting for what happens in real life before that discussion comes about here uh, from everything we've been told. Um, I I think he, I, I don't see a reason why he could not end up in the National League.
1: I've got an intriguing NL team for you then. Go for it. Miami. So Miami's coming into their contention window as well. Um, I took a look at their roster. They've got Travis Swaggerty, who could definitely fill a, um, a full-time role in a corner outfield spot. Um, and they've got, let's see, Acuna and O'Harely, I think is how you say it right now. And you could shift things around there, I think. O'Harely, he played most of the games in left field for them last year, but he certainly is a defense first option you could put into center field and and not lose anything. Um, Acuna is definitely um, well-suited to play right with his arm. So if they wanted to, if they wanted to jump into the mix and and jumpstart these things um, they probably could, they had the fourth worst offense in the NL last season, but they do have, they do have salary concerns, much like, you know, when I, when I went into this prep, um, San Diego was another team that I thought had a lot of needs offensively, but also had a lot of money already committed and would have to shed that. So Miami moved – or, excuse me, the Padres moved a little bit of money in moving Tink Jones, which should open them up to jump in on a free agent. Um, I don't know if Ohayashi is, is somebody that they would be in on, but Miami was kind of like my dark horse candidate here.
0: Now the, – the- There's one thing with with Miami, and this really, I think, goes into the, you know, where they play. And I want to look at at Cam Gallagher as, uh, as just uh, maybe, I don't know, like he had 209 last year, I, in his first season in Miami, 209, 258, 373. He had 19, over 65 RBIs, but his OPS was, OPS plus was 76. Um, is that on Gallagher, who was I mean even as close like as as recently as 2019 was hitting 311 like his OPS plus was 173. Granted, it was only in 29 games. Um, Or is this indicative of the ballpark? Uh, which taking a look at the ballpark, I. Uh, their ballpark factors like they it heavily skews pitching like heavily. Um, not it, it, it might be, I, I I. don't know off the top of my head, but it might be the least home run friendly ballpark or, or at least like the least friendly, ah, friendly ballpark to what Ohayashi brings. And so, would he be somebody that would benefit? from being in Miami and what the Marlins benefit from having a player like him is really the, the question.
2: Well, it wasn't that you're... long ago that the Miami Marlins spent $129 million on a four-year deal for Miguel Cabrera, who has long been a designated hitter. Um, so I think Jim's point is valid, that this is a team that's willing to throw money around. We just saw them spend $5 million on Terry Francona, another over a million dollars on a pair of first base, uh, base coaches. Uh, so a team that's willing to spend the money. And, and I think your point about the fit and, and what happened this past year, I, I think a general manager in Ryan uh, who would be the first to admit that at times maybe didn't give his team the attention to detail that it needed. Uh, so I think that may played into some of the struggles offensively. It, it would be an interesting ent- interesting move for him to end up in Miami.
0: Okay. Um, Just out of curiosity, let's just make a a quick prediction not tied to the over-under we'll do in a little bit. Where um, Jim, we'll start with you. Where do you see him uh, ending up when it's all said and done?
1: I think if I was betting, um, I might bet on him coming back to the Angels. I know I said that I don't think that that's where he'll end up, um, but based on money and history and all of that, um, that's probably where I'd bet. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a um, side gamble as well and say that um, (laughs) I still, I still think the Dodgers, um, the Dodgers could be a team that jumps in here.
0: All right. Anon, what about you?
2: I don't have a particular team. I just think it's a team that finished below 500 this past season. I I think we're going to see a team kind of come out of nowhere and get him for around $25 million a year to be a designated hitter, left fielder, bolster an offense, and and make a push to uh, move past 500.
0: Okay. All right, that takes us to the next player on the list, which is uh, Caleb Cowart, who, um, as I pull him up here, uh, he is 29, uh, switch hitter, which I think does need to come into consideration and I, I guess I should have said, you know, Oyashi is uh, exclusively a left-handed power bat. Uh coward looks like uh you know he's a um switch hitting power bat, but definitely has um he's better against right handers, uh, at least according to scouts. Um he was another angel last year who hit 276 uh 333, Uh, 462 um, with a 117 OPS plus 25 homers, 100 RBIs is second straight year of hitting 25 homers, uh, but also uh, down from uh, at least three, uh, three straight years of at least 33 homers. Um, He did play 148 games. So injuries, not really a concern there. Uh, He is seeking um, he is seeking a nine year deal, uh, at roughly what? 22 million a year. Um, so nine year, about 192 million deer, um, or 180. Yeah. 192, I guess sounds right. Or 189 either. are, But it says the twins are interested. And I guess, um, let's just start with what is his market?
2: I think I mean you're looking at a guy who can play first, a guy who has the capability of playing third, uh, a guy who can maybe split the time of both. You can throw him at DH. Uh, he was a weird player for the Angels last year. He had four homers through June, then hit the heck out of the ball down a stretch. Seven in June, seven in July, seven in August, five in September. So a tale of two halves, uh, a bit. A player that um, again maybe strikes out a little too much and doesn't walk a ton, but hits for average for for usual typically and has the big power bat.
1: Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's, what's going to keep the market a little bit cool on him. Right. So John touched on it. The power has been down for the past two years. I think that we can pretty much consider that like one step of, of some decline on Cowart's bat. And then, you know, like you said, the low walk rates with the large amount of K's, I just I don't see a team that's going to want to invest, you know, at this level on Cowart. But I think there's going to be a ton of interest because of the the first thing you said, which is he can play first and third, and there are a bunch of teams out there that could use upgrades um, in both those spots. And in, with just a player of his um, of his caliber, so I have a pretty long list. Um, John mentioned that that Minnesota was you know rumored within the game for whatever that's worth. For my my likely teams, I'm just going to throw these out and you guys can feel free to discuss. Um, I had the Dodgers and Angels again just because money and need. Um, White Sox, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and uh, and Cincinnati as well. And I'll I'll toss Boston on there.
3: Jim, can you give what's the reason behind Cincinnati being part of that group? So, (laughs) Cincinnati, I thought just because
1: of park factors. Um, and maybe luring him there to, uh, to bolster his power numbers over the next couple of years, maybe they throw an opt out into the contract, um, and let him just maybe play up his, his market value a little bit. I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but like anonymous said with, um, Oyashi, it's like, there could be a team that's, that's below 500 that wants to make a splash. And if, if I was going to throw a hitter with decent power into a park, I guess Cincinnati would be one of those places.
0: Uh, I can I tell know. you, I, I have it on good authority that uh, Cowart will not be a Tampa Bay Ray. <laughs> just one of
1: them. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, I just tossed you guys into the list. I, I like the good, I like the good authority piece, though. Basically said, uh, you know, they love a good infield defense, so why not?
0: Yeah, there, there's not a chance. My understanding is personality differences with uh, the coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, um, I mean, he's 20, he'll be 30 next year. I, I wonder if, if, is he a player who's, um, as his type, like his, his archetype, is this going to be somebody who ages well? Um, he's a good defender. He's not fast. Uh, there's no, no speed to him whatsoever. Uh, he struck out 179 times a year ago, and he's good um, for at least, I would say, probably at least 150 a year. Uh, you couple that with the on base, a career 347 OBP um, and a declining slugging percentage. Uh, it's 518 for his career, but it's been under 500 the past two years, and it was 462 a year ago. Uh, is this? a buyer beware situation where perhaps he's going to have to, uh, make more compromise on what he takes than any other candidate outside of Buster Posey. Like, do you think it might get to the point where he takes a three year deal or even a one year show me deal?
2: No, I I don't think it comes to that. Uh, I'd like the list uh, that Jim posed earlier. Uh, Another team I'd throw out there, I think if Craig Kimbrell was moved, opens up potentially Toronto uh, after losing Miguel Cabrera at first base. I I think they're a team that could get involved. Uh, But I I think it's in reality for now a two-team race. I think the Twins losing Nolan Arenado uh, have a strong chance to be heavily involved here, and I think the Angels are a team that – Should not be overlooked to getting back involved here with Cowart uh, and opening at third base. Are they sold on Brian Hennessy's ability to play first base Uh, while there wasn't an ability to get an extension done? uh, I I think the Angels are still in play here, and I I think it comes down to the Angels and the Twins.
1: What about Seattle? They lost
2: Longoria and Silva, right? They did. They did. But I don't. I, I think there's more pressing needs in Seattle, and I believe Danny Holson's is entering his final year of his deal. Uh, and I know there's been long rumored discussions that if he ever hit free agency, he would end up in an Angels jersey. And I know for Seattle doesn't want that to happen. Um, so I, I think the focus is is not on Coward getting involved with Seattle. Mark Baker, player option. He's probably going to be uh, heading towards free agency after this season. Uh, Same with Mark Rappel. So a a team that we've heard is close to rebuilding, but can't get the offers to rebuild. So they're not rebuilding. Uh, uh, Giving out a set. If it came down to that one or two year deal that you were talking about, I think Seattle gets involved. Uh, I just don't see it getting to that point.
1: Yeah. You know, another team that another team where it's like, Hey, could they clear some money? And I don't think that they can to be clear Um, Cleveland, Cleveland, has big needs here too, right? They lost Sandoval, they lost Ryan Wheeler. Um, they, don't, they don't really have a lot of internal options. I don't know if they're trying to keep their contention window open with Andrew taking over or not, um, but that's that's another team um, that I had kind of on my less likely list. The Twins were definitely kind of my perfect destination for him. Like you said, Aaron Otto left. They're developing Richard Davis at first base, but they really don't have any other internal options. Another
2: team I'll throw out there, um, and you can bat this down, Jim, is the Tigers. Uh, You you went out and you did get Devin Mullis, but for a season season and a half, we've been hearing the need for an offensive bat, whether it be at DH, uh, I guess Noonan had the resurgence and Wheelock looked good at times at first. but it's felt like the Tigers have a desire to get better and get better quickly. And and these are the type of bats that could help without a need to extend anyone in the near future that still could fit into a longer term, uh, winning window.
1: Yeah. I have a feeling (laughs) on good authority that the, uh, the Tigers would probably be in on, um, before coward, just because of what you mentioned with, um, with Noonan and, and Wheelock and left field, um, left field has Lewis Eiger, who came over and trade um, from Colorado and prospect Jake Venables waiting to come up through the system, but there's nobody there. It could use, it's the, the fit might just be a little bit better with Ohayashi, but you know, we've looked at, at, at Cowart as well.
0: Okay. So let's make a final predictions here. Where, where does Cowart end up when it's all said and done?
2: I think Minnesota,
0: Minnesota. Okay. All right. Uh, just out of curiosity uh, for somebody like Coer, I'm, I'm just like, this is, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I have no idea how much money they have, but one, one team we haven't, neither one of you have mentioned um, are the Rockies. Um what is their status with everything going into free agency? Because I would think that that uh these two teams have a chance or, or like these free agents could be in play, although looking at their twenty twenty two uh contracts, is that a one is that a one eighty seven that I see? Or one yeah, that's
2: one eighty seven.
0: Okay, yeah. well, then that, that would take them out of the running. <laughs> they've
1: got the budget way. issues. They're they're still sitting at the same payroll um, that they had at the end of last year, and it looks like budget wise, they've only increased five mil. So, um, I I had them on the list. I thought just in terms of fit with power and, and all of that, but um, I don't think that they can. I
2: don't think they can Ch- find the, it. The, the change in general manners, managers, or the change in the front office took color out of play. I think, uh, the, the, I don't think they see with the same philosophy, uh, in terms of team building.
0: Uh, what's the, what's the change?
2: Uh, the prior GM left, uh, at the end of the season, uh, Eddie was all about, uh, winning, winning now. Uh, and wasn't afraid to push the envelope. We saw it bringing in Steve Winter, Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, uh, high priced players, and kind of figuring out his way around things. The uh, new front office already uh, moved uh, Alex Bregman earlier in the uh, offseason with still a, quite a bit of team control under his belt. Uh, and we've heard that the likes of Correa and Kershaw are not going anywhere um while Abe and winter were heavily on the trade block so if, if you're if you're looking to move Abe and winter I, I just don't see how um then sp- again spending the money elsewhere uh I just I just don't see it
0: makes sense um I, I think if I think I remember Eddie if it's the same person I'm thinking of who wanted to trade every day yep yeah you got okay it. okay well makes sense all right uh let's go to a player who I uh, was near and dear to my heart a few years ago. Brett Laurie, uh, Laurie, a a former Philly. I actually was looking back through his history the, the um earlier, just kind of going down memory lane. Uh, Laurie, uh, he'll be 32 in January. Um, he took a step back somewhat last year. Or at least he did uh, when. He got to New York, like his his average really plummeted, though it might have been on par with a couple years in Milwaukee. Uh, he ended up hitting um, 293, 361, 513, though he hit 337 um, in Chicago. Uh, overall, good for a 4.4 war, 136 OPS plus, but with the Yankees, it was just 100 OPS plus. Overall, um, in his career, going back to his first full season in Philadelphia 2016, he's been good for about uh, 20 to 25 homers a year, about 80 RBIs, um, good defense. Um, Again, 31, he is a right handed hitter. Uh, He is seeking, uh, I have to scroll down here, he's seeking a seven year, about 100. Uh, and forty million dollar deal, about one hundred forty-eight million dollars. Uh, nobody right now looking to sign him, at least according to any rumored demand. Uh, Jim, what can you tell us uh, about Laurie and uh the landscape for him?
1: So for me, I think I think that seven-year one forty is is a very very large pipe dream. I I don't know what he's going to get, but it's going to be a lot less than that. Um, I look at him as a player who's already in a decline phase of his career. Um, he had a great first half with the White Sox. It was pretty amazing, actually. And then, you know, went to New York and was just just trash <laughs> after he ended up there. Um, I think there's two teams with with money that um, both have needs at, you know, second base, third base. Dodgers and Yankees. Um, I could see either one. I don't know if the Yankees will be Scared off from what they saw in the second half. Um, There's there's a host of like kind of second tier teams, but I'd be curious to hear what anonymous thinks on this one too.
2: Well, I mean, first off, I don't don't know how uh, the Yankees come up with free agent money. That would that would be an adventure if they did. Um, I guess I want to go back to what you said: the seven for one hundred and forty being unreasonable, unreasonable in terms of length or, or average amount.
1: I think for length. I just don't think anyone's going to get anywhere
2: close to that. Okay, I, I, I agree with that statement, but I think four for 80 is reasonable. I, I think he can get $20 million somewhere. I don't know where it is. Uh, but it, it, similar to Caller, maybe there's decline, but it, it's also been pretty consistent outside of finishing the year in New York. Um, and that was coming back from injury, uh, I believe, to finish the season. But if you can get a guy who hits I don't know, 250 and it's 25 homers at third base uh, as a free agent. I think that's 18 to $20 million worth.
1: Yeah, certainly. And, you know, maybe the White Sox, maybe the White Sox are interested. Like we said, they have a little bit of money and he had a good first half there. Um, I could see them being a possible fit.
0: All right. Uh, Laurie, uh, just, you know, just for anybody who is a history nerd, Laurie, uh, Going back to the, the Philly, he, he's been included in a lot of some pretty big trades. Um, in 2012, he was traded from the Blue Jays to the Dodgers uh, along with Jacoby Ellsbury, Eric Hosmer, Steven Singleton, and Ezekiel Carrera uh, in exchange for Matt Kemp, who I believe at that time was uh, one of the top players in the league, as was uh, Don Gilbert, if I remember Correctly, man. It's going back a long time, and those pages don't exist anymore. Um, he also was included uh, in a trade um, because he he ended up going um, from the Dodgers to the Tigers for Adrian Beltre, uh, Israel Cruz, and $17 million that happened in 2014. And then a year later, he was traded to the Phillies along with then-defending Cy Young Award winner Brandon Beachy and Michael Morrison in exchange for Juwan James, who uh, thinking back, he had a world of potential. Um, Juwan James w- was considered to be a, a major prospect um, and unfortunately suffered a career ending injury, not too long after the trade. Um, and then Lori played very well with, uh, with the Phillies uh, before going to the Brewers and, um, for John O'Day and Pavin Smith. And John O'Day led the league, led the National League in saves in 2020. And Pavin Smith currently first baseman for um, for the Marlins. And so uh, Laurie has been at the forefront of, of several big deals um, throughout his career. Um, and it looks like he's at a crossroads. Uh, where would you say he ends up?
1: That's a tough one. Um, I I almost think I, I almost think the, the Yankees. I know you said that it would be tough for them to come with free agent money, but I'm just not going to count Red out. Um, that's my like one A guess. If I had to If I had to pick a sleeper team, um, maybe maybe Kansas City again. Somebody that needs to add some offense with that with that emerging team.
3: Who I, I would say this goes wherever whoever finishes second. For, uh, his name is already it, but that, that we just talked about a corner infielder, right? Coward. Are, uh, coward, yeah. So if somebody's in on Coward heavy, it's part of their plans, and he signs a little later in the offseason, Lowry's still out there. He feels like a, a consolation prize for somebody who was sort of shaping their offseason plan around somebody like Coward. What team that is, I don't know, but that, that's the way I see this going.
2: I think two other teams that play potentially here, are, again, teams that – well, one team that, that really doesn't have any major league offense but has a ton of young talent coming up, and that would be the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, you throw him at third base, maybe re- replace Michael Antonio, Antonio, stick him kind of in the middle of the order, top of the top half, second, third, fourth, some, somewhere along those lines. Uh, give some protection to some of the young guys coming up. You put someone who gets on base. Uh, You score a few more runs than you do for the young pitching you have coming up. I I think they're they're an option. Um, Boston, as Jim mentioned earlier, for Cowart, uh, could be in play. You you already have Todd Coon and and Dave Allen on the infield. Third base wasn't very successful last year. You, You add him there. And let's not count out the Chicago Cubs when it comes to spending a decent amount of money in free agency, having moved Pablo Sandoval, having moved Rivera, like money has opened up in Chicago and Brett Lowry could end up uh, in the Cubs hopes of jumpstarting things back onto the winning track uh, for that franchise. Yeah. You made
1: a, you made two good points there. So uh, Baltimore is a team that I had in on, um, on uh Coward as well. I mean, they've got, they've got Tatum and Sunzel at first and third um, and they're kind of, you know, they're going to build toward a contention window. Right. So if they want to put a few years on, on somebody like this or on somebody like, Howard, I could, I could see them putting somebody like that in the middle of their lineup. Um, Boston, same thing. I mean, they had, they had, is it Peguero? Is that how we're saying his name? Peguero? Yes. Yeah, and he was awful after coming over from Texas. And um, Kenny Gentry, I think, is the guy that you're thinking of at third base for Boston who's, you know, he's nothing special. So um, yeah. for a team that needs to add some offense while Sawyer Cleveland's out on the mend, um, these types of players I think could definitely be attractive to Boston. They, they also have a really big need for pitching, though.
0: Um, just to put it out there, Gentry, uh, at least according to Baseball News Network, uh, the positional rankings by position, uh, Gentry ranks 29th uh, out of uh, the 30 third baseman. Minnesota does not have a third baseman um, currently. Obviously, they're in they're in transition there, um, and if you're looking at just you know, just third baseman, um, in terms of uh, second base, if he's going to be a second baseman, uh, the Red Sox would not be a fit under that scenario. As they have Todd Kuhn, who ranks second on this list. Um, the Orioles rank middle of the pack with Luis Arias uh, at second base. And then at third base, if I can fire, are they even on this list? They're like 34th out of 30 teams. Um, seriously, where are they? Oh, they're there uh Morales ranks 19th overall um yeah I guess the the one thing I I wonder about Lori, and then we will move on to the next one um which I guess is the segue into the next one which is Nolan or Arna- Ar- um is there a market for three high-priced corner infielders uh if they're all, if you're looking at them as third baseman, I mean, I guess Co, uh, Cowart would be more of a, a first baseman, but is there a, a potential big loser here um, among these three players? And then we'll talk in about Arnado in more detail. And if so, is it Laurie? I think
1: there's enough need at second base where Laurie can play. Um, I, the Mets would be another team I'd, I'd toss in there. They lost Jose Torres to free agency as well. So another team with, with budget that, um, that could make things happen. I'm not sure if there's, a, if, if there's a loser. I think there's enough position flexibility here and enough need in the market that I don't really see a loser.
2: Okay, There'd be a loser if, I don't know if he's there in the kitchen right now, uh, if the Atlanta Braves decided to, in fact, move Marvin Grunt, the player that at times has been rumored to be on the block. I believe Nick Madrigal is going to play third base in the future in Atlanta. So if Marvin Grun became available and you had another viable starting quality third baseman into the mix, then perhaps Brett Lowry could be squeezed out of the bigger payout. Um, but if we were just looking at free agency and, and not taking trades, and I, I think there's enough, uh, as Jim said, for all three to get close. Again, maybe not in terms of the length that they're all wanting, but in terms of their average value, I, I think they'll all come close.
1: You know, that's yeah. a that's a good segue too on on Arenado and and the Braves. That's that's a team where looking at their roster and and looking at Grun, he's he's a definite upgrade. Arenado would look great in Atlanta. Um but the conversation I just had with Brenton um yesterday or the day before, his he he seems more inclined to go after the the younger controllable players. He said that it's tough for him to want to spend money in free agency. And I think that both Lowry and Arnato are going to cost, um, you know, an arm and a leg and or maybe a couple of each, maybe a couple arms, a couple of legs. And I'm not certain if Brenton's going to get in there or if he'd, if he'd rather deal some of that prospect currency to bring in a younger player
0: that's more controllable. Yeah, so Arnato, uh, just to go over him, he's 30. He will turn 31 uh, early in the season, April 16th. Uh, he's coming off a 245, 302, 465 year for a 104 OPS plus. Did it 34 homers, 102 RBIs. He struck out 120 times. Um, I'm wondering how much of that was lineup protection with with Gary Copeland, or or um, you know if you saw more guys on base. Those were career highs in home runs and RBIs. Um, he obviously you know he has. Fantastic defense. Um, or at least I guess last year, maybe it was a little overblown. He did have 11 errors, uh, and a 963 fielding percentage, uh, 1.92 1. rating. He'd have efficiency of, uh, oh, you what, know, 1.006, uh, a 1.0 uh, zone raider rating, which I am not really sure. I mean, those numbers are, are down, um, considerably over the past couple of years though his first year in Minnesota he looked like he was actually a negative player defensively that was on oh I'm sorry that's a shortstop my fault uh, is down from 2020 uh, and on point with 2019 so I'm wondering if his defensive chops are slightly overblown or if that's just playing um, in Minnesota because his numbers in Cincinnati were stupendous and were terrible comparatively in in Minnesota. So Arnado, um, you know, he's won one Gold Glove, has a Silver Slugger award in 2019. Um, he wants at least, from what I'm seeing, nine years, uh, 208 million. Uh, how close to that can he get, Anon? I think
2: again, we're we're looking at so much that's 23 million a year roughly yes. um i think he, he gets that and nine years is pushing it but but i think 23 25 million dollars is in play uh i'll pose this to you guys coward has compensation attached to him arenado does not how does that impact the decisions for teams to get involved with these two players
1: i think that certainly drives up the the dollar amount on arenado that was the that was the note I made as well. I don't think he's going to have any problem getting that, that salary, especially what we saw with the Brewers just dropped on uh, Paulini. I think, that, I think that that sort of talent, both defensively and offensively, commands at least that much money, especially with the number of teams that I think could be in on him.
2: I think ultimately that this is a rather simple equation at, at play here. I think if Coward ends up in Minnesota, which I think both of us predicted, Jim, yeah, I think Arenado ends up in LA, and it's just a switch. The Angels and Twins switch players. I, th- I think that's is the simplest form at play. If Cowart signs in Minnesota, if Cowart signs in LA or elsewhere, I, I think obviously this becomes a giant mystery again. Uh, perhaps Minnesota signs Arenado back, uh, <laughs> but but I, I I think this this ends with arenado in los angeles
1: it certainly it certainly could so my note on los angeles is they've got anthony kurt second base third base um but arenado would be an awesome addition right to a team that's like looking to put together their their next generation of championship rosters and i think that um they don't have any good internal options um so why not bring on arenado for a long-term deal um a couple other teams that I had on the list for Arenado, if we if we get outside the realm of simplicity, you've got um, again the White Sox now made a move, but I thought the White Sox had a really ground ball heavy pitching staff, um, Black and Wallace being their two big pitchers. Um, Arenado would have looked great playing uh, playing third base there as well. I think that's less of a possibility now, but you do have um, you do have a couple other places where I think it's possible he could land. As we said, Justin Jabs loves splashy deals. He does have Jake Berger, who looks like a poor man's version of Arenado already, and he's six years younger, so he's probably not going to want to mess with that. But, I mean, it could happen. And um, there was one other team. Um, so how about how about the Rays? Rays love defense out here.
0: Uh, uh, that's, you know, a possibility, I think um, – the issue with the Rays is I think one that that's perpetually with the Rays and that, that is financial flexibility. And, um, it's a very young team, but it's one where, uh, a deal like the one that Arnauto is, um, is seeking could become more of an, more of an anchor than a buoy. And, um, that can make it somewhat prohibitive. It's also possible that the Rays can't even afford um, the the contract that Arnado is seeking. Um, that and the fact that the Rays have uh, seemingly a gazillion prospects at AAA that are that are pushing AAA and Double A that are, that are pushing for for time. Um, like you know, there's uh, I mean Miguel León who who's going to be uh probably traded um this offseason but Bobby Witt if he's not traded do you do you start playing Bobby Witt at third like O'Neill Cruz is there he hasn't been very good so far um there there's a lot of questions with the Rays where it it does not Arnoldo doesn't really seem to fit that timeline of uh of helping the Rays in in you know the short term or Maybe it's a trade trip in the or a trade chip in the future, but I'm not sure that the Rays are going to be a fit for him. Um, so, I guess uh, right now it looks like the the team that's rumored to be interested in him is the White Sox. Um, well, we'll of course see how that plays out. But Jim, where do you think he's going to end up? Do you, Do you agree that maybe this is a a, a, a de facto trade of Cowart for Arnado?
1: Certainly could be. I will. I will say that Detroit has also looked at him, um, just in terms of you know the same the same narrative that anonymous brought up earlier. We're still looking for pop for that lineup. So, Union could definitely play first. Wheelock could definitely sit. Um, he's one destination. But I am going to say the Angels with the with the sheer market size, budget, and financial flexibility seem like the
2: logical choice for for Arenado.
0: Would they take Arnauto over Cowart, do you think?
1: I don't know. It's anonymous. What do you think?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know how much of Cowart's entering free agency was his desire to hit free agency, a inability to reach a deal, or if the Angels were ready to move on. Uh, that's unclear at this point in time. I I think Jim is right. I I don't know how many internal options they have at third base for the near future. Um, I I think they would probably be in the prefer Arenado and then take the pick that would come with losing coward. I I think, I think that's That's probably that's, that's, I mean, there's one other team we haven't mentioned and I'm just going to throw them out there. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to happen, but we've seen Scott do things before that we didn't think would happen would be Oakland. Uh, an ability to move Zach Rankie, I think, at some point. You move Chad Scott at some point. You all of a sudden free up $18 million for this coming year. Uh, we saw it last year, Anthony Rizzo, last minute end up in Oakland. Uh, again, a team that has some young outfielders coming up. Uh, I do believe they have Brandon Gill at third base in the future, but perhaps Oakland – the rebuild for the future, uh, I think it's easier said than done. It uh, in a, a lot of the time in Scott's mind, so an ability to speed things up, I, I think Oakland could be another team that sneaks in here. But I think in the end, uh, he ends up as an angel.
0: Uh, what about the Mets? Just out of curiosity, they have Chad Lewis there, but Chad Lewis can slide over to first base, where it looks like actually might be a better defender, uh, like an elite defender. Uh, they have Jeffrey Marte on the block. Uh, could they potentially be in play for Arnado?
1: I've got them on the list um, as a less likely candidate. They're kind of they're kind of in that tier with me. With you know, Oakland was was in my short list too, just in terms of making a splash. Same thing with Kansas City. So they're kind of on that tier for me.
0: Okay, I, I think one one interesting thing you could see with the Mets, if they're, if they want to take a small step back, um, 10 Lincecum would be a heck of a trade chip entering the last year of his deal. Uh, he turns 38 on June 15th, but he still looks like an elite pitcher. Uh, he's making 21 million. I, if I'm the Mets and I want to bring Arnado, I might be having discussions about moving Lincecum and possibly Marte, like as a package deal, uh, so that I'm not taking on extra salary if I'm able to sign Arnauto, um and then get something for Lincecum, Lincecum's expiring deal. Um, it just, I just, I, I, think it's something uh, potentially to throw out there if if the Mets are looking to stay financially nimble. Um, Lincecum coming off that seven and thirteen year. But his WHIP, I mean, was 1.26, and that was on a bad Mets team. Still, averaged less than a hit per inning. Um, What's the
2: velocity done? Is the velocity staying stable?
0: uh, Looking, let me take a quick look at that. Um, He uh, he's at 91 to 93 right now, Um, according to uh, scouts that um, I've talked to recently. Uh he's still at a uh elite changeup, elite slider. Uh his fastball still looks to be above average and you know, especially in terms of movement. Um but he is uh he's somebody that I, I feel like for, you know, if I'm the Mets, I'm, I'm really trying to to move him. Um and let yourself slide back at least a little bit. But Arnada would would make sense um if they're able to clear that salary off the books he, he does make sense for them um given that they're going to have an opening at first base soon I, i'd rather short up with Arnado.
1: that is the reason why i have the mets on the list for some of these big free agents i do think let is a piece that they can that they can move it to, to free up that money and to explore some of these other longer term options and Marte, i know has already been rumored to be on the block have you heard anything about lincecum anonymous or has there been no rumblings there
2: there haven't been um he's he's the tough player to gauge uh because when you, if you if you put yourself in bruce's position i think you, you're not going to trade him within the division uh so can cross the, the braves and, and the nationals off the list i think uh the pirates and the brewers both have young pitching i don't i don't think they're getting involved uh arizona maybe uh colorado probably not and, and i don't think the dodgers would get involved and then, then you look in the american league the the favorites heading into the year again. Toronto's, they're a bit cash strapped. Uh, the Mariners have absolutely no need and the Angels are letting these other players go uh, instead of re-signing them. So I, I don't know how interested they are in getting involved in when's to come. It, it could bring a team like Houston into play, a team that has been after strong pitching. Uh, but would you have an agreement between those two teams, I, I don't know. I, I think Houston would be the team to watch if once to come hit the market.
1: What oh, about Boston?
2: A one year deal? Yeah, Boston could get involved. I mean, I, I,
1: I don't think Boston's going to be in danger of overtaking the Jays, but oh, I don't know.
0: I, I don't know if anybody's in danger of overtaking the Jays at this stage. Least.
2: Especially with uh, Sawyer Cleveland coming off of injury, missing probably April, um, could put them behind the behind the eight ball uh, to start the year. Uh, Toronto's Toronto's bullpen still has some issues to sort out, uh, but otherwise, too, Toronto's the the team to beat in the American League East for for now. Yeah,
0: um, he's. Uh we did go over yeah we we did uh predictions on Arnaldo there's one guy i i want to talk about before like who's not on Jim's list and that's Evan Longoria uh really only for for this question um did Seattle screw him over by uh you know he's got he's got um it looks like there's compensation for uh for signing him um, I would guess he's not going back to Seattle uh, unless it's on a short-term team-friendly contract. Uh, but he is somebody who can still help a team. And to be honest with you, this, this is uh, like, yeah, you, know, you, you have the, the Rays in here uh, as as teams pitching like a third baseman. Uh, Longoria strangely uh, might fit the Rays more than Arnado does. Because at least with Longoria, you, you know it's a short-term window. Like you're not hitching yourself to Arenado for at least six years. Like Longoria, you know it's two to three as the kids, you know, get ready to potentially hopefully contend. And Longoria makes sense in that vein in just terms of timelines. But does the pick compensation really kind of negate his potential market?
2: I think the compensation changes that were made a year ago in that it's, it's not guaranteed to be losing your highest pick, but if, if you can get him for under $45 million, so a two year deal at $40 million, you get him giving, he gets his $20 million a year and you only have to give up a third round pick. I, I think there are teams that can do that. I think we have a GM who just joined us who might be involved in that at that price point under 45 million. Again, if we truly are maybe looking to uh, replace Marvin Grunt, as I suggested earlier, and if Nick Madrigal isn't quite ready for third base, if, if you play him at second, a little bit short, a little bit, I think Longoria could fit in near the top of the Atlanta order, hitting in front of Taylor Sparks, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, or, or even if the Angels were to miss out on uh, Arenado Coward a, a team, again, it, Third round pick. If, if if they gain first round picks elsewhere, uh, already gained one in Baleni, they're a team that could be in, be involved here. Uh, but I think you're you're right, John. Um, Seattle didn't do him any favors attaching that compensation.
3: Uh,
2: it's going to be very hard for do him. I mean to
3: comment on that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's let, let yeah, go for uh, it. I'm assuming you were um, teaming up for that Longoria. When Jim and I talked about this yesterday, right, with the the Braves and our finances and and just the, maybe the misallocation of where they are at this point, all the money for the Braves is still in scouting and development. So if they're willing to move off of that and maybe give up on, on putting all the money into developing that, that farm system, they can reallocate some of that money into a Longoria for a couple of, win, couple of years. And it makes sense for them to try to push in, to compete here for the next two years, right. With a team as young as they are, but also with a lot of pieces nearing the top end of that arbitration and sparks and alarms and people they're going to need to make a move if they want to compete because they're going to have to drop some players. So it's it's not a bad call. I mean, if Atlanta's going to make a move in free agency, it's going to be somebody like him, or they're going to make a mistake in signing Rodato. So uh, I think it and makes comparing
2: sense. what we were talking about uh, earlier with Coward, while he maybe traditionally has had better betting average, he doesn't though. walk. Uh, whereas Longoria maybe his average was down last year, but his on base percentage, was, I think was still 360, uh, so he still walks a ton. Uh, which I think people and baseball nowadays is still quite attractive.
1: You know, I think the Dodgers are another team um, that would be a great fit both ways on on Longo. Um, they've, they've got their top two guys, too, are extreme ground ball guys, Cozart and Markle. So I think in terms of adding somebody who's um, elite defensively over at third makes a ton of sense for the Dodgers. Um, they are a team that's been um, – hard pressed to get people on base yet. They still seem to score a decent chunk of runs, but I think adding a guy who um, with an elite eye at the plate who can get on base at a 340 clip, I think that would be huge for the Dodgers.
3: I mean,
0: you look at Dodger stadium, it is a, a pitcher's ballpark uh, in terms of, of, of average and you know, the parameters there, but it's also a power hitters ballpark. And I, I think that's where you see what the Dodgers, you know, how they go about their runs is, uh, um, you know, through the air, you know, like McDaniel, 20 homers, Garcia, 23 at 14 uh, Soto had 30, Kurt Franklin at 22, Jeffrey Moore had 12 uh, while hitting 196. Um, they outside of Soto, uh, they didn't uh, Garcia got 73 walks but that came against 179 strikeouts Um, Soto had 123 walks but against 166 strikeouts they had 5 guys on their current roster who had over 100 strikeouts um, including more who played in just um, 124 games had 422 played appearances having Evan Longoria uh, makes a lot of sense for that team. Uh especially when you could potentially uh shift um Garcia over to shortstop and even Profar over to second base, which would really stabilize the defense because they have Richard Hall who who played uh 40 games with the Dodgers last year but he got 221 um and has below average defense everywhere. Like Hall doesn't look like an answer. Um, Longoria probably makes the most sense for the Dodgers. It just in terms of, of again, having somebody who will take a walk. And if you have Soto and, and Longoria back to back in that lineup, um, you, you're, you're making life way more difficult for, for pitchers. Um, but also just the shift in defense of, of, you know, Garcia, who is a solid defender, um, and like at both third and short and Profar, who is an elite level defender at second base. I mean, that makes the Dodgers incredibly more formidable just just off of that. So like that, that does make a lot of sense, if not too much sense for the Dodgers to do. And it just really becomes a matter of I guess if you're the Dodgers, um, doesn't matter if you give up a first round pick at that point, like or to, to go and get. Longoria, if if you identify him as being somebody who can maybe put you over the top, I I don't know. Like I I feel like maybe not. Like like their math is different than some of the smaller market teams, um, like the Orioles or or the Rays or something like that, where they may not want to give up uh, a higher draft pick to overpay for Evan Longoria.
2: I think the Dodgers can make sense. Uh, another team I'll, I'll throw out there that we haven't talked about much today is how about the Pittsburgh Pirates? You move Alex Baum over to first base, Jaime uh, Candelario comes off the bench, and you throw Longoria over at third base. You have a, you, I think they were fifth in on base percentage in the National League last year. You put him in front of Jared or behind Jared Stevens in front of Baum, Conforto, and Schlecht, uh, and you stay right there uh, among the, the teams to beat in the National League next year.
3: Okay,
0: Um, let's move on to somebody who's actually on on the list. That that was me hijacking everything. Um, Cesar Lopez, infielder. Uh, Lopez, uh, here he is, Uh, 28 right-handed batter. Uh, He hit uh, 244, 293, 398, or a 94 OPS plus, 2.9 war with Miami last year, 18 homers, 75 RBIs. Uh, did strike out four times for every walk, 161 to 41. Is an elite defender. Uh that is not hyperbole, elite at three different positions. Um he is uh perhaps one of the strongest utility players in the league. Um again, he'll turn t- uh he just turned 28. Um he is looking for seventeen million a year uh, over three years, um, or uh, you know, well, I mean that that's actually what I'm what I'm saying. Oh, and it says here, uh, and and I just you know I just got word from from a scout that he is leaning towards signing with Washington. Interesting. Uh, Yes, and uh, that right now he might be seeking upwards of three years at 22.8 million a year. That might be what it takes. so it might give you an idea of what uh, the nationals are allegedly offering him. Um, so Jim, how much does that news screw up your you know what you had done with your research before?
1: None So Washington's my number one landing spot for Cesar Lopez, um, and that was without even, Having all this inside info that you gave, um, they've got a need of both shortstop and second base. It makes way too much sense not to end up in Washington. Um, there's, there's a host of other teams that we've kind of chatted about already. Basically, anyone who's had a need at, at, at third could, um, could get in and Cesar Lopez as well. He's not going back to Miami, <laughs> I think, that much we know. Um it just it depends where some of these big third basemen fall out too, um, with Arenado and um Longo and even to a lesser degree, Lowry, being that he plays both second and third as well.
0: Um couple things about about Lopez, and then I'm gonna turn over to Anon. Uh his scouting report has him uh scouts love his leadership, his loyalty, his work ethic, his intelligence. Um, He's not an overly adaptable player, uh, which is weird for utility guy. Um, The, the issue that I think um, you run into with Lopez, I'm, i maybe you don't really care that much given just how um, well he could play defense around uh, the diamond is that his on base percentage uh, so far in his three full seasons culminates in a 295. On base mark uh, and a 702 OPS. Um that probably won't inhibit anybody uh from signing him, but uh does it perhaps maybe pigeonhole him into playing maybe uh just shortstop? Like does that does that kind of stigma really matter anymore that you want to have offense at a certain position? Um, or are you just paying this guy for defense and whatever you get is, is bonus a none.
2: I think he's the MLB pro version of Dan Ugla. Uh, you stick him in the seven, eight, nine spot, uh, and you get your hopeful 25 home runs, 20 to 25 home runs. Unlike Dan Ugla, you hope you get gold glove defense, uh, at second or, or short. Uh, and you accept a sub 300 on base percentage. You just go from there. Uh, I, I think you don't you don't force him into being something he's not. He, he's not going to win a batting championship. He's not going to be a middle of the order hitter because of the inability to draw walks. But uh, among seven, eight, nine hitters, he could be as deadly and as feared uh, as anyone. I, I think uh, with the with the power and and with the uh, superb defense that he can provide.
1: Yeah, I've got. I've got a, I've got a few teams, um, on the list outside of Washington. Like I said, I I still think that the favorite, um, being that we know he's not adaptable, John, um, maybe he's, maybe he wants to stay out in the NL East where he knows those pitchers, right. Could stay with Washington. Um, he could slide over to the Phillies. They've got a need a shortstop. And while they did score a ton of runs last year, um, they still need, they still need a little bit more punch to compete with the diamondbacks and the NL or, you know, some of these other up and coming teams as well. Um, the Mets, they've got a whole second base. Um, they've only got one internal option in Chris Seiss, or Cease, and he's defense first. Um, Detroit has essentially nothing at shortstop. They've got two youngsters in Hardy and Holland. Um, they don't really have a heavy ground ball staff, though, that could really benefit from somebody's defense like him, but they still have a need for that, um, that pop in the lineup. And... I guess if I'm going to throw one, one other team in um, that we said, you know, makes money happen, it's, it's again, the Yankees. They, they solved shortstop and third base with Luna and Sano last year, and they've got two heavy ground ball guys with Evaldi and Sonny Gray. Um, maybe he fits there.
2: A team you brought up that I, I, I love is the Philadelphia Phillies. You have Charlie Harper at second base. You have Cam Gundy at third base. Uh, Luis Urias has been okay at short, but you could bring in another power bat here. Yeah, I think we're expecting Luis Robert and Andrew Vaughn in the outfield. You're going to be able to move one of Josh Bell or Anthony Hale, most likely uh, a team that can hit a ton of home runs. Uh, and it, it frees you up. You, again, extensions, money for the future. You, you have guys tied up for a while. I think he'd be a perfect fit in Philadelphia.
0: I think... The the Nationals and, and I'm looking at at ballparks right now. Uh, the Nationals have basically the opposite of Miami's park. Uh, it is a decidedly offensive park, uh, especially when it comes to home runs. Uh, that might actually be and, and and you really have to think about what um, Lopez did in just in Miami. Um, remember that that park is terrible for for hitters and his numbers did go up um in terms like it's not much but his average went up 19 points his on base went up four points his slugging went down of course but he still hit 18 homers in a in a huge pitchers park in uh with the mets i, I feel like that would probably be the the worst fit uh the phillies would be a good fit but the, the one team that I think um, would make a, a lot of sense uh, just because of the, the holes they have in the lineup that they have around would be the Twins. Um, you, you can you can stash him at the end of the lineup. You're getting uh, ridiculous defense wherever you put them. Um, you can move him around the field. Um, I, I feel like... You know, if they're going after like a like a coward or something like that, like I I, I kind of wonder um, if if Lopez might make more sense for them than for than than coward.
1: So what I had on the twins for this and and with um, Lowry as well. Um, I mean, sure they could they could shift Dave Wilson and and play him at short rather than second base and put Mark Mark Johnston in more of like a super sub role. And throw somebody like um, Lopez in. Um, I don't get the feeling that's the type of move the Twins are looking to make, but they certainly could do that. Well,
0: but you don't have to shift oh, Wilson. Oh, you can put you can put Lopez at third. Like they have an opening at third. He he plays presumably very well at third base. Like uh, to me, that that's something where you you don't have to move anything to accommodate for for Lopez. Like his um True. his his defensive makeup. Would put him at a gold glove level play at third base. Now, granted, maybe he won't adapt to that. I have no idea. But, um, presumably, like that would be a fit. And also, you could plug him in at a couple different places based on how the rest of your offseason plays out. Like, if I'm Minnesota, I, I am, I think he probably is at the top of the list for, for me. Um, just based on how much you can plug and play him at different places.
2: The rumored interest of other teams and potentially already having around a $17 million a year offer from Washington. All of a sudden you end up in a bidding war and Cesar Lopez is going for $20 million a year though. Again, giving him $20 million a year, coward 20 to 25. uh, uh, I, I think I just don't see how Lopez would be the answer. If Lopez was going for the 15 and there was the gap between the two. Sure. Uh, But as the money becomes more even, I I don't see why Minnesota would, would go for Lopez over
0: coward. I think it's a Er, defensive scenario. Anyway, I'll show you. What was that? Brenton. Uh Oh, do we lose Brenton again? I think we lost Brenton again. Um, so uh, he was saying something about uh, Arnado. Um, I guess presumably with, with the twins, um, which Arnato is probably the prize of the infield. Um, and and to me, it just comes it comes to balance. Um, if you know you like, you're getting elite defense in a, a park where. Um and, and an infield where you need it. And and Cowart is an elite first baseman. He's not an elite third baseman by, by any stretch. And so I guess um if you're worried that he is declining in in terms of offensive production, uh that's where I look at Lopez. I say, well, what he does best is better than what Cowart does best. And if you already have Gary Copeland in your lineup, um I feel like you could put an emphasis on defense and on somebody like signing Lopez to to help make other parts of your roster better. Um, And and I guess that that's the argument that I have for going after Lopez. Now I'm beginning to wonder if I if anybody heard that. I've no, no, I I
2: heard heard it. Okay, we're we're just thinking.
0: Okay.
1: We're tracking with you. I know that I know, I know Coming that you're you're somebody who values defense quite a bit. Um, and he certainly provides that. I mean, I I would love to tuck Cesar Lopez into into Detroit's middle infield, corner infield mix. Um, but like Inan
2: just said, at that
1: price, I'm probably out.
2: And it's not to say I don't think I don't think he's overpriced necessarily. I I I still think at 15, 17, 18, it's what he deserves. For sure. Uh I just think maybe if there's those two guys above him who maybe deserve more than that, but if the market isn't going to allow them to get their 25 million in it, so if they end up falling back a little bit, I, I just think the gap between Lopez and those other guys isn't worth Lopez. That that's kind of where I stand.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um- it makes sense. I mean, you have to pick your poison somewhere, um, and it's just, you know, like the presence of Copeland in Minnesota alleviates a lot of offensive, uh, a lot of offensive issues. And and given the issues that we've talked about, that that Cowart may be facing, um, it just to me it makes a very interesting an interesting discussion. Where like is, is he foregone to Washington? Uh, he's also interested, um, I guess, uh, for the White Sox as well. Um, but do you think Washington's a foregone conclusion here?
1: I don't know if it's foregone, but they've definitely pushed the market up on him. I mean, even when I pulled his um, rumored demands, it was, it was seven years, 104, which works out to something like 14, 15 million per year. So if Washington is indeed pushing the price up on him by even three over his rumored demands, um, they seem pretty hot. I mean, I, th- I think Washington's where he ends up.
2: Washington or Chicago? We we saw it with Brett Lowry. If with Lowry gone, uh, traded last season, uh, if Chicago, the Ting Jones again, the situation and what that how that impacts Chicago, I think is interesting. So I, I think it's Chicago or um, Washington. But I, I think I think if Philadelphia decided to get involved, they'd be the best. They're the team that could benefit the most by signing him. But I, I like him to go to Washington.
0: Okay. All right, uh, we have two more on this list there. Uh, we, we've discussed the uh, the hitters portion of this. Let's talk about Albert Suarez. Albert Suarez, uh, 29 years old, will turn 30 on August 7th. Uh, he went, uh, and this is, um, yeah, I've, nope, my apologies. I clicked on the wrong player, which is weird because I swear I clicked on Suarez. I had Michael, uh, It's just, it's the game. I know what it is. It's my stupidity and the game. There's Suarez. Suarez, 32, 32, uh, just turned 32. We'll turn 33 next year. He went eight and 11 with a two, eight, eight ERA in San Francisco last year. He had a 1.17 whip, a 302 BABIP, which is, uh, he's had a 300 plus BABIP four of his last five seasons, um, Last year, he had a 139 ERA plus, uh, but that is the highest since 2016. Um, He has had a ERA plus of 102 or lower four straight years before that. He did have a 3.7 war uh, last year. He is currently um, seeking 12 million a year uh, over four years um one thing against him is that he is considered fragile um and also that he's spontaneous and carefree which may be why he's fragile um, he's
1: emotionally fragile john because he's he's been a durable starter for i think it's like five out of the last six years i think he said one one season where he missed a
0: considerable chunk that was it which is, is interesting. Yeah, Look, at, looking at – he's had two injuries. He had an injury of unknown in 2018, uh, and then he had a pinched nerve uh, in the uh, August um, of this past season. He was out for one week. Um, so he has been pretty durable.
2: Just up to update you, that was a torn rotator cuff in 2018. Okay, That's, a, that's an injury file mishap, I think.
0: Okay, which <laughs> I, I think would – uh might make sense with his um, output since then because before, um, like in 2016, uh, he was a Cy Young-level pitcher. And over the past three seasons, he's been uh, maybe league average overall, uh, as we see with the ERA+. plus. Now, this past year, he was much better. But Jim, um, why is he on your list here?
1: Well, because Anon told me to put him on the list, so he's got to be, got to be discussed.
0: Okay, then (laughs) Anon, why is he on the list?
2: The starting pitching market in free agency up to this point hasn't been strong, and that continues into this year. And while you might not get a guy who can give you 200 innings, um, I think you're looking at a guy who has consistently been able to give 180 very strong innings the last three, four years outside of really the 2018 that he missed. Mm-hmm. I feel that demand at $10 million a year is very reasonable for a pitcher who's only 32 years old. I think there are a lot of things working for him that make him a piece that can bring value, uh, especially if we're looking at bats and, and we're talking about Cesar Lopez, who's maybe a seven eight nine hitter commanding 17 million dollars a year you can get a mid-rotation pitcher at 10 million dollars a year uh in the right fit i I think he's a player that helps a lot of teams out yeah i agree i only
1: jokingly said it was only because you put him on the list i i think i think he is he's a he's an excellent piece for a team that needs it um i have a favorite landing spot for him uh you know do you have do you have a spot that you want to toss in the mix
2: first uh, I think there's two that come to mind initially. One is I think the Braves are out there looking for pitching uh, and to slot him behind a Walker Bueller, a Colby Allard, and a Brady Aiken and a strong bullpen. You don't need him to go seven innings a game, kind of like Seattle did the first year with, with uh, Mark Appel sitting behind Holtz and, and Hooper. You didn't need him go to go nine. He still managed to wait to a lot of the time. Uh, so I think, I think he'd fit well in, in Atlanta. And we talked about Houston and their – Desire to upgrade the top of the rotation. I don't. I don't think Suarez would necessarily fit in as a one in Houston, or, or even a two. But again, as a three or a four, uh, your rotation all of a sudden becomes very deep. And for a team that's looking towards the playoffs, I, I think would make a lot of sense in Houston.
1: Yeah, um, I, I definitely have all those on my contention list here. Um, my favorite spot is actually is, is going back to Philly. So. Philly, um, I mean, they dealt Sean Gilmartin, got a decent arm back. Um, I'm already blanking on his name. Uh
2: Rodrick Wilson.
1: Yeah, Rodrick Wilson, right? And they've they've got a couple of prospects who are, you know, internal options that could come up. They've got Matt Johnson, um, and they've got Hans Krauss. And Hans Krauss looks a little bit more like a like a bullpen piece, but he has been he has been a starter with the Phillies, including up to AAA. Um but he's a two pitch guy with a really weak changeup. So with the Phillies adding, are we calling, is it, is it Luis Robert or is it Luis Robert? I've actually never heard it pronounced.
0: I've heard it both.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, when they're adding Robert Robert and Bob Bob to, to what was already uh, the fifth highest scoring offense in in MLB pro last year, I think they need some arms to be a true contender out there. So if you can get somebody that can, that can come in and, and, and throw 180 really good innings, um, like Suarez can, I think he would really help help that team out. I think um, a couple of unlikely places, um, just due to budget constraints, even though there's not a huge contract associated here, um, the Yankees and um, Boston as well. Um, Boston kind of has a mess <laughs> of similar aging pitchers behind it. Garrett Cole, uh, Suarez would fit in. You know, it's kind of a better than what they've got type of arm. Um, you could probably even slot him in as the number two, in Boston if they can make a deal happen there. And then I think as another kind of intriguing up-and-coming team, um, I think Kansas City would make a really interesting landing spot for Suarez as they're starting to to open their contention window. So they've got a staff that's kind of a mess other than rookie sensation Chris Bubik. Um, King Felix looks – I know know Rob will tell us that he doesn't look dead, but he's dead. Um, Rob Tillman (laughs) has yet to figure it out in two full seasons as a starter. Same thing with Casey Mize now. Jason Neal doesn't bring anything better to the table. So, I mean, you're almost kind of wondering with KC uh, if, if they've got a problem with, with internal, you know, pitching coaches or some, something that's, that's making this a mess. I just feel like they should have more talent in the rotation there than they do. But I think Suarez would be a great spot for him to land. You're right on both no. oh,
2: yeah. We saw them go out and get uh, Felix Hernandez. So I, I think they are a team that's willing to bring in the, the veteran arm. And I think you're also right that Felix Hernandez's arm is dead. Um, Kenny is not ready We we I think there's a chance Kevin Knaust could have An opportunity in spring training To win a back of the rotation spot But in a division outside of Minnesota That I think is It's in that interesting position Where I don't know what to make Of Cleveland at this point in time And then you have the Tigers and the White Sox That are up and coming uh, But are still I mean they're up and coming But they have a lot of ground to gain Yep. Uh, so so if you're you're Kansas City, you're kind of in that same position. Do you are you are you good enough to make a run at the division, which might be questionable, uh, because an American League wild card spot at least again this past season was very difficult to come by. Uh, those spots were decided uh, well before September, frankly. So does Suarez make sense in that in that sense that all of a sudden you're competing for a playoff spot? I don't know, but I I, I like the. The makeup that it would – it's a good fit. It's a very good fit in Kansas City. And I think your your other point, Jim, uh, Philadelphia makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, Their pitching, like New York, wasn't good, uh, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. So if you can get 180 consistent quality innings uh, and you still have a Pedro Magana, Matt Latos, when healthy, somehow is still producing. Uh, but he would go a long way to helping an offense that could be very good.
0: All right. So make your final destinations here for him. Where do do you think he's going to end up?
1: I think because budget's not a concern and pitching is a concern. I I think he ends up in Kansas city, to be honest. I, I think that, I think that Rob is, is looking to make that type of move with his team to really push to the top of the central.
2: I think it's Atlanta. I have it on good authority that the Braves are out hunting for pitching. Um, I, I think they copy some of the makeups that some of these other teams have done. Uh, you have your, your top of the rotation, again, and, and Allard and Mueller, and even Brady Aiken at three. Uh, I think they're comfortable with Porter Curran at four. Uh, but Albert Suarez gives you five <laughs> really good starting pitchers, uh, and it makes maybe the reliance on your bullpen – not as needed, uh, so I, I think he ends up in Atlanta.
1: And that's that'd be so wild to me. I I look Atlanta as a team. It's like you you telling me that Seattle's going to go acquire more pitching. That's what that's what it feels like. Or the Brewers are you know really looking to acquire another pitcher.
2: And Rob, I I didn't even mention Robinson Rivera. Uh, so you'd have all of a sudden six really really good arms. Uh, Again, Brenton's not here right now, but when I see Atlanta, the position of need to me is another corner outfielder. Uh, and I, I think if you sign in, uh, Albert Suarez and you put Porter Kieran on the market, all of a sudden you're able to maybe fix another hole while bringing in a quality piece. So I I, I, I think it's Atlanta.
0: Okay. Uh, that brings us to the last player on this list, and that is Andy Otero. Otero is 29. He is a lefty um he uh has had a bit of a he's had a very interesting career um last year he spent uh time between San Diego and the Angels uh with the Angels he had a whip of 0.62 he gave up 26 hits in 51 and a third inning struck out 73 only walked six overall he had a whip of 0.71 um that's coming off of uh, that makes it three of the last four years uh, that he has had a whip of right around one or below. Um, now granted two of those years he was with the Padres and the Padres is a B-sided pitchers park, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he saved 38 games back in 2020 um, has uh, been exclusively a reliever Um and has done quite well at that uh he had a 1.9 war last year had a 198 era plus including a 256 era plus in anaheim along with a 202 BABIP. um jim I uh, d- like and i think you have it listed here you have him listed as a starting pitcher and i know he's listed as a starting pitcher in official guides uh do you think that he can, um, like, would teams be looking at him to make the transition to a starter? He's only 5'9", 180. Yeah. Um, he's a bit of a left-handed <laughs> Tim Lincecum, but we've seen Lincecum succeed. So um, I, I'm not going to say he's got Lincecum stuff, though he does have uh, three-plus pitches, including an elite changeup, and... Um, is this a, are you looking at him as a closer or as somebody who might be making the adjustment to starter or transition? i want to
1: be, i want to be curious to get, um, anonymous's take on this one because I just copied in the position straight out of the game. Right. So, um, I had enlisted as a starting pitcher and when I looked at him and he's looking for starting pitcher type money almost, <laughs> and he's, he's never been a starter in this four years in the league. Like you said, he has three, um, plus pitches, including just a devastating changeup, um, He's looking for 120 million over six years. I almost wonder if someone would would try them, would try him in the rotation. I mean, in a pitcher's park, um, maybe not worry so much about that, you know, that home run per nine rate. He's got pinpoint control. I, I don't know. I it, it looks like to me, just based on um, on usage numbers, that he must be sitting in kind of one of those stopper multi inning reliever roles. I'm just curious what what people think he could do.
2: 390 390 390 390 are a big 390. One starter. Yep. Why is uh, that? It's a good question. He, he was groomed in the minors for the most part as a starting pitcher, um, got to the bigs and I just wasn't a starter at that point. I'd have to go and look back The 2015 Atlanta Braves, quickly pulling them up. It's like uh, a Josh Hader
1: situation, you know?
2: Yeah. Uh, didn't pitch in the big innings last year either. Uh, wasn't closing games in Anaheim. He still had Navarrez, Ishikawa, and Erickson. Uh, he was dominant against lefties. He was really good against righties. He's 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 a really tough pitcher to predict. Um, as we just talked about, you, Albert Suarez, we know what he is. He's done it for four four years in a row, and he's asking $10 million a year. Are you going to give Otero $22 million a year as a question mark to become a starter?
1: No. I, I actually don't know where this demand even comes from, to be
0: honest. I, I think it comes from, you know, his scorched earth 0.71 whip with a 11.3 Ks over nine innings um, situation last year. I mean, I think that that's where that comes from.
1: You, you can't um, give somebody 20 million to, to throw 70 innings. You just can't.
2: We saw it with, um, where is he? Uh, Daniel Schlerick a couple years ago, I believe, uh, in San Francisco gave him, I want to say it was around $15 million a year as a closer. I mean, if you think Andy Otero can be a closer, I think you can, you can give him $15 million a year.
0: I mean, he did save 38 games in 2020 and he saved 22 in 2017. Um, And so like, he does have that body of work now, um, you know, looking at his minor league numbers, um, he was only a starter for one year. That being 2014 in 2015, when he was in double a, he started three of 22 games that he, uh, that he participated in. Um, And then, Didn't do that with Atlanta. And honestly, I I don't remember. I I might have written about him at some point. I'll have to go back and actually look at my, look at the writing I have. Um, I'm sure I've got a lot of it around. Um, Yeah. Looking back on Schlereth, uh, Schlereth got paid. um, 14 million, uh, 14.6 over three years Um, That was spent with the Giants and in the Mariners last year. Um, And out of that, they got, oh, uh, well, they got 36 saves in in 19, but then uh, only, uh, what is that? 16 more saves over the life of that, the rest of that contract. Um, And I, I guess that's really what you like. Relievers are fickle as as we know, like they're, they're like kickers in the NFL, you know, like that they're very hot and cold. And Otero being a fly ball pitcher with pinpoint control with um, above average stuff, he tracks as a stopper um, with average movement. Uh, it's somebody who, who's like starter profile doesn't doesn't really track very, very well. Um, Throw you know, this player
2: up for you to compare. Him. I don't want your take on this, John. Is he a better controlled, slightly weaker stuff for Oldest Chapman, who a year ago got seventeen million dollars a year on the open market?
0: Uh, let me bring up Chapman. Um, I was actually, uh, you know, just thinking about other leagues that that you know outlaw leagues. Um, I was thinking of of uh, 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 this guy named Blake Snell. Um, with with some other outlaw fit where he was somebody who is really good the first two times through the order but the third time through the order he would get demolished and I'm wondering if Otero is that guy who's really good in small doses um, now looking at Chapman um, Chapman makes uh, 15.6 he's actually he's got like the opposite like he's got elite He's got two elite pitches, one below average pitch, um, above average movement, and average control. Um, given um, like the makeup, I'd rather have Otero because you're getting one decidedly better pitch, um, and then I feel like the control for a reliever is is probably um, much more. Valuable than movement, if that makes sense. Um, I think mean, I
2: think it does, but 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 I guess my point comparison was if Chapman got seventeen million dollars, fifteen to seventeen a year ago, Otero's going to get that too, and I don't think there's a need to make him a starter. I, and, I think the market right. is there for him to get be a high price relief.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. Like he would, he, I think he would earn, um, especially if you're able to get it on a two to three year deal. Um, and you are a contender or you are right on the cusp, uh, yes, I, I feel like Otero would deserve and earn that money if you stay committed to the role that you are signing him for. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, so, Jim, where do you have him going?
1: He could end up anywhere. i <laughs> I don't know. I've got
0: anywhere's I've, not a team. I,
1: I've I've got a list. Um, I think Philly could make some sense, um, just because we talked about the need for pitching. Same with Boston. Um, either LA team, I could see jumping in. Um, I have Detroit on the list as well. Cubs, Toronto, if they if they can find a way to to fit some more money on that roster, we we know we heard how how many woes that bullpen had last year. Washington, Pittsburgh. I mean you
0: pick Well you got to pick one
1: man um, I'd love to see him in Philly. I'd love to see them <laughs> grab Suarez and Otero and just really bolster that pitching stuff.
2: I, 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 I like the need again for Philadelphia pitchings desperately needed. I think they're better off spending on a true starter than a reliever. Uh, So I don't think Otero is a good fit there. Um, Where does he end up? That's a good question. Um, He really could. He's a player that makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. I do think you're still better off being a team that's winning now. I, I don't think you're, if you're a rebuilding team, you're going to give a guy $15 million to sit at the back end of your bullpen. Cause I, I think you could spend your, your money in development. Um, you think he gets 15? Yes. Wow, man.
3: Okay.
1: And it's funny. You just talked about Schlereth getting a, a huge deal. He's back out on the market <laughs> this year, you know, requesting something like nine.
2: Yeah, but, but how long was he on, on that last deal for? Yeah. I mean, how much, put it this way, how much do you think he, where, where do you think his market is uh, money-wise? I mean,
1: I guess based on what I think in terms of how you pay relievers, from my perspective, I was thinking something more in the 12 range. But um, if, if you're thinking like he's sitting at the back end of a bullpen in like a traditional closer role, or he's sitting in sort of that dominant Seventh, eighth inning role, then yeah, maybe I guess he gets he gets that big money. He hasn't he hasn't played the role except for one season, right? That's well. That was- I mean, I, I
2: think I I agree with you, but I think at twelve million, you're going to get multiple teams, and then he gets right back to fifteen. Yeah,
1: and that could be the case. Yeah,
2: uh, I think you're right. Maybe a team comes straight out to fifteen. Probably not. Maybe not to twelve. Twelve. If he were at twelve, I think you're going to see multiple teams involved. And. In, and I don't think it lasts at twelve very long. Well. I mean, you've got you've got Vinny
1: Pastano, who's a who's a similar guy in the market. You know, requesting something like I think his 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 is eleven,
0: maybe. Yeah, it's like ten point four. We've also
2: heard the Angels having three relief pitchers potentially on the market, whether it be Paul Erickson, Ishikawa, and Navarros. Uh, so teams teams potentially have other options there too in the trade market.
0: I, I I remember Paul Erickson. I loved Paul Erickson like he was like my MLB pro crush like way back in the day. He just oh i I tried to acquire him so many times uh yeah that that that's like the one that got away for me
2: i mean, the, 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 the other interesting team here I, I think otero at, at eighteen millions priced out of their range uh and they track record isn't good for relief pitchers or at times it isn't good it it, it becomes an adventure but let's put it that way Seattle uh, a team that doesn't necessarily believe in roles in their bullpen it's go out there and get outs I think Otero could be a guy that could go in there and get outs for for a Mariners team that again Holtz and Hooper Appel at the top of the rotation you still have Kyle Wright Archie Bradley there's there's plenty of leads to be protected uh, for Mariner games, I think otero would do a good job of uh, doing just that.
0: okay um, Anna did you pick a did you pick a prediction for for him? where you think he's gonna I, I'll,
2: I'm gonna talk myself into that. I think he ends up in Seattle.
0: I like it. okay all right um, so to to end today's show i I have uh I've picked out some names, and honestly, this is... I'm really just kind of going down the list of... <clears throat> we're going to play a little little over-under. Um, I just need to make one for this guy. And honestly, I don't know if I have the list. I can populate the list later and uh, go back through. But um, we're going to play a little over-under over what we think um, players are going to make on their uh, overall like their AAV, their um, average annual value or annual average value, whichever whichever one. Can
2: I, can I interrupt um, you for one second? Uh, yeah, John? Go, go for it. Uh, just we have a trade, trade to quickly break. The Pirates and Cardinals have reached a, a, a deal. Excuse me. The Pirates are sending Tyler Baum, Stephen Jenry, Greg Jones, Phil Mitchell, and John Wiggins to the Cardinals for Will Page, Sean LeConte, and Alfonso Soriano Jr., uh, a bunch of minor leaguers, but a eight player deal nonetheless.
0: Um, Alfonso Soriano jr Son of a bitch, I feel old. <laughs> um, i how I, I guess uh, um, do either of you know who the centerpiece in this is? or is this just lottery tickets for lottery tickets?
2: I am not buying – let me try to sit down. Like, and I don't want to put anybody on the spot here. for
0: this. I just don't. There's some know. Rule
2: 5 guys. I believe Stephen Gingery, Gingery was a uh, Rule 5 eligible player who is a deep. <laughs> I believe he's close to being ready for a shot from Pittsburgh. I think. I, I want to say he is. Um, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know much about these players off the top of my
1: head. We'll dig in. Let's – Let's see if we can crush out the uh, over-under game in five minutes. That's when I need to
0: break. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a player and a a value, and you just tell me if you think they're going to end up signing for more than that value or less than that. Um, if Brenton's around or if Brenton still thinks that everybody's on mute um, and that we're just sitting here uh, just uh, – I, having a seance or something and not speaking, um, then Brenta can, can speak up. But as it is now, we'll go with just you two. Um, Oyashi, uh, 27.5 million A.V. Jim, we'll start with you.
2: Um, I'll take the slide under. Under 25, 24, 25.
0: Okay. Um, Buster Posey, uh, 20 million.
1: Man, I looked at the I looked at the market for for catcher and for contending teams to need catcher. I I don't know. I I'm
2: going to say under. I think he if if he can get 2 years, I think he can get his 20 million. If he if he wants more than 2 years, he's not getting 20.
0: So, are you taking under? Under. under. Okay. All right. Um Arnado um, which I'm actually oh Arnado, um, I have at uh, twenty two point seven. I'll take the over. Under. All right, Evan Longoria, um, I have Longoria at seventeen point five. Over. You know, Jim.
2: Um.
1: Man, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, I'll say over as well, though.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was originally way low on that. Um, Just looking at the age. But uh, Caleb Cowart, I have a 21.5 million.
1: I'll take the over there as well. I think there's going to be enough competition for his services to push it over.
0: Okay. Over. All right. Now I think we start getting some interesting ones here. J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez, I have at 16 million. 34 uh, coming off a year in which he hit. Uh, well, I don't have that one, that part of um, coming off a year in which he had 250 with six homers, 22 RBIs with Arizona and 248, 17, 61 with the Dodgers.
1: I'm going to take the slide under. 16 is
2: a good number. Uh, I'm going to go agree under.
0: Okay. Uh, Brett Laurie. Uh, I have at 18 million a year.
1: I think teams are going to be scared off by that second half. I'm going to take the under.
2: Uh, I think again, 15 is the range, so under.
0: All right, Uh, Andy Otero, 15.5 million a year.
1: (laughs) Um, that's a great number too. I'm going to take the under though.
2: Under.
0: All right, both under. We're about halfway through. I have 15 players total here. Um, And it's really going along the lines of, like, the top free agents on the list. Cesar Lopez, I have 18 million.
2: Over.
1: Yeah, I think think it's probably barely over.
0: All right. Now we get into some catcher fun. Michael Perez. um, He wants seven years, uh, 16.5 million a year. Uh, I have him at 11.2 million. Oh, man,
1: I, th- I think I'll take the over. Over.
0: Okay. He is a defensive catcher primarily. Yeah, uh,
1: he's, he gets on base, though. I, I faced him enough to know.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, that takes us to Carlos Romero. He wants six years, 13 uh point 1 million i have him at 9.5 million Did i don't 259, know 259 12 and 30 last year with minnesota
2: under their their t- teams teams pay for top end catchers aren't going to pay for an average catcher i think under
1: yeah i think probably quite a bit under
0: yeah and also he's 31 that that's a a tough one to uh i think like i would probably take the under there too uh, Jose Iglesias, I have at $8 million um, per year.
1: Under. Why we are rumored to be interested in Jose Iglesias is very concerning to me. Um, I, I don't know why anyone would pay him anything. So I'm going to take the under. All
0: right. Miguel Cabrera, I went, um, I, I did something different. The over-under for Miguel Cabrera is at 1.5 years. Will he sign? Will he get a multi-year contract?
2: Miguel Cabrera, how old is he? 38? He,
0: he's 38. He wants, he wants five, five years. years. Yeah. Five years at about $63 million.
2: Again, he's a good player.
0: The, the issue is what? He, he's a DH on a winning team. It's
2: the fit, he, yep. He's not going back to Toronto the angels aren't paying him. He's not going to Seattle. Uh, And, and Minnesota has Gary Copeland. So like, no, under, under. but I I don't know where he, where he ends up.
0: He did. He's somewhere begging
2: for the DH in the national league.
0: Yeah. He had 232, 35 homers, hundred RBIs last year. So probably not a, uh, Probably not going to be a guy who hits for average much. I mean, he he
2: deserves a good contract. I I just, I'm with Jim. The fit's just not there.
1: Yeah, I I think it's going to be under. And if if we're talking about possible landing spots, I could see, I could see a team that's full on rebuilding, like Texas, just taking it for the fan interest bump and the ticket sales. Oakland, same thing, like they did with Rizzo last year, or even even Kansas City if they want to add some thump. But I'll say under. I'll say it's a one year deal.
0: Okay. um, Jake Jeffries, Jake Jeffries, uh, 34 year old catcher seeking, um, five years, uh, tw- uh, 12.6 million per year. Um, I'm going to say, and, and actually I'm going to change this completely. Um, I'm going to just ask a simple, is he in a camp? Uh, when camp start?
1: Yes. Yep. As a backup catcher. And he's not even a catcher. <laughs> so I don't know.
0: So then I guess I guess I can play the, the over-under on this. I'm gonna put the over-under at 3.5 million. For a backup catcher.
1: I I, I don't have an idea of the market for him. I'm gonna say under just because I don't know.
2: I thought his defense, I remember his defense being better than what it appears to be. Uh I will say under. And I maybe will change my mind that he's on the camp by uh, spring training. I thought his defense was much better than what it is.
0: Yeah, it's not very good. Um, And then that gets us to our last one, Albert Suarez, um, 14 million a year.
1: I'm going to take the over. I think there's going to be a lot of competition because he is, he is the pitcher and there's, there's so much need.
2: Great. I I think we, we see some of these batters signed first, but he's, He's the guy if you want a starting pitcher. I, I think he gets more than that.
3: Okay,
0: uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw one more your way, uh, Jose Abreu, um, and I'm gonna put the over under on him at uh, eight point five million. He's thirty four. Uh, he went. He did. Um, he did hit two forty four twenty five homers, forty eight RBIs. Uh, 1.3 War had an OPS plus of 104 last season.
1: Under, and he might not even end up on a team to start the season.
2: Oh, I think I would go the other way. I would say over. I, I think the market will be slightly bigger than that for Miguel Cabrera. So I think uh, Abreu with, at the four years younger gets the money that Cabrera maybe should get.
1: Oh. Hmm. Deal. All right. Hey, I want um, this. Can, can I add one more to, to close it out? Yeah. Who gets more money, Andy Otero or Albert Suarez? Uh,
0: you uh, Are you talking average yep. yearly value? Yep. Um,
2: Suarez.
0: Suarez? Uh, I would say... I would say Otero. Um, I'm going to say
1: Suarez by a lot.
0: I would say Otero because uh, he... I, he's like he's the best pitcher on the market like ov- overall he's the best pitcher on the market um and we don't know if anybody's going to try and make him a starter yet so i'm going to say otero um because he has the best body of work overall
1: so. i thought you're just going to say best body and we we're going to leave it at that that was a, yeah, that was a great he, closer. <laughs> he is
0: very much a, a hot bod uh one last question um how many picks do you think will be made in the rule five draft? Uh, Jim, we'll just start with you. How many total picks will be made in this week's rule five draft?
2: Uh, 17 over 25.
0: Okay. I couldn't even figure out a, an over. I like that question just came to me <laughs> as it was. So, so um, next weekend, at least, you know, we'll probably be the next time I'm able to record uh, do a rule five recap. And, um, and whatever nonsense has come up since then. And I think I have a couple other topics to, uh, to bring forth. So, um, Anon, anything you wish to say before we end it?
2: Uh, no, I think, I think we're waiting on some of these, these bigger names to sign. And when we go from there, I think the trade market will open back up a little bit. Um, Colorado's been quiet despite having big names on the block. The Angels have a lot of holes in their lineup. The Twins are still looking to replace Arenado. How will they impact both the Blue Jays and the Mariners? Of course, the Blue Jays have already made moves with Pardo or with po- Posey or Pardo. Where well, they got Pardo, uh, Pardo. and um, and someone out another uh, player from uh, the uh, the Mets, uh, Josh Wilcox. Uh, so I, I think there's teams in the American League that are still waiting, waiting to make reactionary moves, and the National League. I think we're waiting on, on uh, a couple teams there, whether it be Atlanta. We still haven't seen Aiden really make his direction in St. Louis, so I, I think it's a waiting game, and we're waiting for the first domino
0: to fall. All right, Jim. Any final thoughts on this evening? I don't think Jim has any final thoughts. I think yep, Jim has bounced off. So. Um, Jim, and no final thoughts. So for Anon, for the ghost of Brenton Hefferman, uh, for Jim and uh, for Felicio Roxa, who will always have a place in my heart. This is John Comey. Thank you for listening to the as yet untitled baseball show. Uh, have a wonderful, whenever it is, wherever you are.